Aloha, welcome to the Zeno Podcast, where we talk about how we shape stories and how they shape us. My name is Cole. And I'm Carly. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Professor Buse, who is a professor of film studies here at BYU-Hawaii. So, Professor Buse, could you just take a few um, seconds and introduce yourself and help our listeners get to know you a little bit? Okay, um, my first name is Ethan. That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> is it um, Mandarin na- name? And um, I've been here since year 2000, and I've been teaching pretty much any all the fields in the humanities. So humanities, film studies, English classes, and also Chinese classes as awesome, well. Yeah. And then art theory class. So. Speaking of languages, I hear you speak quite a few. I've learned quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for my PhD, we have mm. to have four languages. Oh, wow. So besides my native tongue, Chinese, and mm-hmm. obviously English, mm. and I've studied German and French. Wow. And a few years ago, quite a few years ago, I, um, learned, I went to BYU, mm-hmm. Provo, over the summer. <clears throat> and then do intensive study of Arabic. So just wow. one, one semester. Holy yeah. cow. I've forgotten most of it because <laughs> I don't get to use it. And that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Right. When you don't use it, you lose it. No, yeah. That's yeah. very impressive. Thank you. So for Provo, was that where you did your undergraduate mm-hmm. studies? I did my undergrad in Taiwan. Okay. And I did my master's in theater and film at Provo. Very nice. And my PhD at Indiana University. Okay. okay. Very cool. cool. And... With your PhD, what was your specific focus? My focus was actually 19th century French and German um, romantic drama, dramatic theory. And the title is Towards a Paradoxical Theater. So I focused on how a specific um, writer, Friedrich Schlegel, and his idea, um, how his ideas and his theory shaped the 19th century uh, literary theory. Wow, yeah. That is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But that's really cool. So you're a film studies um, Mm -hmm. professor here. How does that translate into your classes? Um, That seems to be like a lot for somebody just walking in, but I've taken your class. It's really enjoyable. And, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I started um, watching a lot of films since Mm -hmm. I was a um, college student. I was studying in Taipei, and then we had International Film Festival every year. Mm-hmm. So one of the f- most fun things for me and my friends to do was um, we would skip classes, <laughs> some <laughs> classes, and then get in line to get the tickets uh, just to get and to see some um, international classics. And that's mm. when I started watching lots of films, and and then. Um, thinking seriously about it. But I actually started mm-hmm. way earlier when I was uh, a teenager because my dad has had a friend who owned a theater. And then the theater showed uh, classic Hollywood cinema and oh. then wow. lots of European films. And so I got free tickets to all of those films. Oh, <laughs> so, that's so cool. Yeah, so I watched them um, sometimes two or three films a week. Amazing. So that's a lot of watching, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And... So you, you kind of developed this love for film mm-hmm. really early. Yeah. And you mentioned yes. earlier also how you studied English. Mm-hmm. And did those two things go together? Did, your, did you have a, the same love for books as well and the movies? 
Yes, and um, actually, when I was in high school back in Taiwan, we had to choose our track uh, early on as a freshman in high school, and my math was pretty good, so mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be a scientist. Right. But then, um, during my second year in high school, I had a teacher I didn't like, so <laughs> I started doing terribly on my math classes. So I didn't, um, I I was not able to take the science track. So kind of by default, and but then I also loved English classes, mm -hmm. so I got put in the humanities and social studies track, and then uh, that's how I um, got into that that I mean in that direction. So um, college entrance exams, and we and we had to fill in the, um, the our options before taking the exams. Right. So I fill in all my choices, all English majors, all mm -hmm. English um, schools, so programs. Oh, that's mm -hmm. so cool. So, so cool. how I ended up being an undergrad in English. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So, so for today, we'll probably we'll be talking a lot about movies and films. So yes. maybe for our purposes today, could you help us define the difference between <laughs> a movie and a film <laughs> and a cinema? <laughs> well, that's funny because we we use them interchangeably. Uh -huh. A movie comes from the term moving pictures. Right, so I mean, it's a more of a layman's term that everybody knows. Yeah. And film sounds more academic. And um, when film studies um, was established as academic discipline in the seventies, that's pretty much the term that, that we use: mm -hmm. film studies, okay. study of film. And cinema um, is also interchangeably in film studies or we uh, or cinema studies, like the um, the professional organization. It's called the um, Society for Cinema and mm -hmm. Media Studies. So cinema and film are pretty interchangeably in academia, okay. generally. But cinema also refers to the, the physical structure mm -hmm. of the movie theater, too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so there you go. OK, <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. Um, so maybe let's start. For you, what, mm -hmm. what makes a film worthwhile, or what makes it good? And I think it's it's true for most people. You you gotta have some sort of um, story to tell, right? But story not necessarily the kind of story that that we want a hero we can always identify with. Just in terms of the struct um storytelling structure, I like the kind of story that um that makes me think about my own relationship with my society, my mm -hmm. environment, and not just about me as an individual. So that's so the kind of story is more fascinating to me personally. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any problem with stories that don't have resolutions. And I think that's a main issue with a lot of audience they want. Mm -hmm. And that's how classic Hollywood cinema is, is um, established based on that kind of storytelling mm -hmm. and the beginning, middle, and the end, all the loose ends have to be wrapped up and mm -hmm. all that. So, and I actually like the kind of movies or films mm -hmm. <laughs> that don't really have a resolution at the end because it's realistic in a lot of ways because that's how life is a lot of times, yeah. you know, life goes on and, and, and things move on and sometimes you just can't resolve and it continues. So there's usually a life after 
the audience watch、uh, watch the film because they think about it more and they talk about it, and sometimes they're frustrated because it doesn't have its quote unquote ending. But of course, every film ends after the screen time, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, I think it just generates more thought after the movie experience when you don't really wrap up everything. So those those movies have like a realistic aspect because typically like, yes yeah. it just ends there、mm-hmm. midway <laughs> like、yeah. wait what happens it's、yeah. kind of like a postmodernist book like where sometimes they just end and you're like、right. that was it yes <laughs> yeah right, right, right. we don't get any more yeah or a lot of films that have just、um, a lot of happenings going on not really having a storyline right、mm-hmm. and then that kind of film I like a lot. I、mm-hmm. mean that kind of films a lot. So. Mm-hmm. so, what would be some examples? So, earlier we talked like, oh,、mm-hmm. your favorite. Like before the podcast, we we're like, oh, your favorite movie. So, yeah.、Uh, what maybe? What are some examples of movies that do that? Like that don't、uh, maybe ha- wrap up the ending. Right,、perfectly? like the French New Wave. I like the French New Wave、mm-hmm. uh, take on live and the cinema making filmmaking. Is taking a snapshot of everyday life, and then put it on the screen. But a lot of people think, well, I can sit、um, in the street corner and then watch people. And why do I need to go to cinema、yeah. <laughs> if I can just do that every day, right?、Uh-huh. But that's the. I think that's the the goal of the the filmmaker is. A lot of times we don't really. Look at life that way. I mean, just and then because everyday kind of living, they are non-consequential a lot of times and non-significant.、Mm-hmm. But they make up our everyday living, and they are significant. And so it focuses on the details, sometimes repetitive details that don't seem to make a lot of sense. But that's how life is. Sometimes、mm-hmm. it、yeah. doesn't make sense. We can make sense of everything, right?、Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fascinating、um, aspect of the French New Wave, and that's why every semester I show the Four Hundred Blows in my intro to film class,、yeah. and so that's back in the '60s. But、yeah. then more、uh, in terms of contemporary filmmaking,、um, I also really like、um, Carlos Mathis' film, a Finnish、um, mm-hmm. director, and one of his、um, recent films we also sh- have shown in.、Um, The film form is La Ave, which describes、um, it depicts a story of a.、Um, it does have a story, but then in terms of the filmmaking style, it is slow. The pace is very slow, and a lot of times in the screen just、uh, stops, and then with characters just not moving, not doing specific things, but but coupled with very beautifully done cinematography. So, so it not j- so it. Has a story to some degree,、mm-hmm. but then it is a a visual kind of experience more、mm-hmm. for the、um, the audience to to look at the the colors and then also the composition and also the positionings of the characters within the frame and how the director is trying to quote unquote frame the characters in his way of storytelling. It's like visual、yeah. art or moving、mm-hmm. art, right? Like, yeah. yeah, a lot of the movies we watched in your class was、mm-hmm. like very artistically, like、mm-hmm. 
great. Like, I love Wes Anderson films because they're so yes. pretty. Yeah, and he's <laughs> you know? another director mm-hmm. that, that I like. And also yeah. the Coen Brothers film, too. Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of, they have become their own, I mean, um, the, the quote-unquote auteurs mm-hmm. or the, the great directors of their own time because mm-hmm. they each fashion their own directorial style that yeah. was readily recognizable that way. So have you ever thought about creating your own film or was that like kind I of part of I was asked that question all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, BYU-Hawaii is a teaching intensive university. Mm-hmm. So, and then even if it, at the research university when um, where teachers have much, much lighter teaching load, filmmaking takes, it's mm-hmm. a full-time job. Yeah. You yeah. can't possibly do research and then... Um, be a filmmaker right. simultaneously mm-hmm. and do them well at the same time. There are, mm-hmm. of course, filmmakers and then professors who also make films, but they need to have, they have to sacrifice a lot in the family mm-hmm. life and sometimes they're teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And then so, yeah, it's one thing I recognize I might never do, mm. which is okay. I yeah. love teaching. Yeah. Anyway, so. oh, and I love good. watching movies. Yeah. Movie. yeah. So yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So in the are you do you have any research right now that you are specifically very interested in? Um, my recent research has been um, focusing on the storytelling mm-hmm. in the Pacific. Oh, nice. So I'm using uh, some of my colleagues' uh, research as a theoretical framing about the time and space configuration mm-hmm. in the Pacific because it's a very different worldview from the linear, um, the so-called logical uh, development of story and time and space in um, typical in Western cinema. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in the idea of looking at cinema from a particular regional culture using their own cultural perspective as a theoretical framing. So I did that for African cinema. Okay. And since I've been living in the Pacific for almost 20 years now, and I think it's about time for me right. to <laughs> do that. And <laughs> do it's, that. it's an area that is very uh, new in terms of uh, cinema making. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, New Zealand and Australia are two very well-established mm-hmm. film industries. But they are settlers nations. And it means that, you know, it's mostly European uh, settlers in the country and then establish their film industry yeah. and then their art world. And, but cinema in Pacific Island nations is still quite new mm-hmm. in terms of um, distribution and let alone in terms of filmmaking. Yeah. And most of the um, indigenous filmmakers, they start off with uh, documentary partly because um, it's a defiance towards the mainstream uh, money-making industry. So yeah. documentary is the kind of the de facto counter cinema to them because it's not aimed as commercial cinema. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's, it has a very distinctive um, storytelling format. And so a lot of the film filmmakers um, started off as documentary documentary filmmakers but gradually we have more and more uh, 
feature fiction and narrative films coming out of the Pacific. Mm -hmm. nice. So that's what I'm interested in doing and collecting them. There's still very few, mm -hmm. but yeah, the doors are being open that way. So, Which is yeah. so good since they are like every culture has that theater, right? Like that theater aspect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now it's kind of translating into film. Do you right. feel like it's a new way of storytelling yeah. from oral, oral traditions mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. written uh, literature now through camera as their pen to mm -hmm. write their stories. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool because I think about mm -hmm. when, when you were saying that, I was thinking about the old movies that I was seeing that were filmed in the Pacific and it always seemed mm -hmm. like the main character would be a foreigner and then the almost like the those who were indigenous to the island mm -hmm. would be not they wouldn't have main roles right. in the movie or in the film mm -hmm. so that's that's cool and is it s this Pacific um, filmmaking is it becoming more popular you mentioned how the more doors are being opened could you tell us a little bit about that right and I think a lot of ac academics are mm -hmm. Um, teaching the Pacific um, uh, Pacific films and then I think the academia helps uh, foster that awareness of there are different kinds of cinemas out there mm -hmm. and and that's one of the very intentional effort I'm trying to do is I would like to include those films from all over the place and particularly Pacific films whenever I, I hear about a new film coming out and whether they are distributed in New Zealand or in Australia, I'll try to get a copy of yeah. it and then and then uh, find ways to show them in, in classes or at least uh, bits and pieces, mm -hmm. clips from, from those films. And then, But at least for my research, I always try to include them in my recent uh, mm -hmm. ongoing research project. Very nice. Yeah. So you were the one help, helping open those <laughs> doors. That's great. One of them, but yeah. then, you know, there are professors at UH uh -huh. who is also um, a filmmaker. He made uh, The Land Has Eyes of Lee Sony. Okay. Yeah, and he's also teaching there, teaching literature. He started off a, as a literary uh, studies scholar, and a lot of them have to kind of start off that way. That's how, you know, like in the English mm -hmm. or literature program, mm -hmm. that's where they study storytelling. Yeah. yeah. And then the theories about storytelling, about narrative. Right. And so that's that's kind of a, um, a, a really good um, um, path in terms mm -hmm. of theoretical framing and then in terms of how to more effectively integrate their own cultural specificities in to their own filmmaking mm -hmm. right. Right. so they're more aware of what they're doing and a lot of the um, this kind of cinemas are really self-reflexive okay. because they're aware that cinema is a Western invention that it's imported through mostly through colonial um, establishment mm -hmm. right and so they are really aware that they are using a foreigner's uh, tool. And so there's always this consciousness about how I can use the tool and then turn it around to make it my own. And that right. is mm -hmm. kind of try to indigenize the means of writing stories through a camera. Mm. Right. So also, this school is super international, super like exactly. lots of cultures. So right. you get a lot of different cultures in your mm -hmm. classroom. Yeah. And then the final project is that you make a film with like a group, right? Mm -hmm. um, so have you noticed that those, y is it more like an Americanized way of filming or have you noticed that 
uh, students kind of go their own direction with it? Well, they, um, because of the scope of an intro class, mm -hmm. so I essentially ask, ask them to make the film in uh, a, um, a range of styles, mm -hmm. like classic Hollywood or uh, Soviet montage style mm -hmm. or French New Wave. And within those styles, of course, they in, infuse their own um, lens cultural lens, political lens, and then uh, local lens in terms of uh, loca in the locality where they are. And a lot of them um, take the advantage of their own cultural background, so mm -hmm. they would do a, um, a film in their own language and then use mm -hmm. subtitles oh, that way. Really cool. Cool. Yeah. And I always, uh, whenever I show an international film, I never use a dubbed version because mm -hmm. it's you are defeating the purpose of I mean, mm -hmm. that cultural lens right mm -hmm. there, you know, not allowing mm -hmm. the character to speak in their yeah. own language. So I always tr try to train students to read subtitles, and that's mm -hmm. doubly hard because they have to take rigorous notes in class mm -hmm. while reading the subtitles <laughs> and they're reading the visual elements yeah. all at the same time. So it's actually a very good training because it helps you think about what you are seeing, what you are watching. And I know that we can take very, very detailed notes that way because you're doing your multitasking essentially mm -hmm. using different faculties of hearing and then seeing and then your writing skills at the same time. But eventually I think it trains us to be more uh, careful observers yeah. and movie watchers in the end. Mm -hmm. that way. That's true. Yeah. And I was thinking um, just with, the different perspectives that mm -hmm. movies can give us as well. Like, yeah. you, I, th I like the example of taking notes while reading subtitles can train us. Mm -hmm. And also, I like the idea of just a movie from something that we've never experienced before giving us a new perspective. Right. And right. do you have any examples of, of maybe characters in movies or stories mm -hmm. in movies that have helped you gain a new perspective on something? Well, the um, for example, uh, films, even though I've been uh, living in the Pacific for 20 years, uh -huh. and then my kids went to Hawaii Immersion Program, and I thought I, I know the local culture pretty well, yeah. but it's a constant um, process of learning and studying, finding a new um, knowledge about um, practices and, and then uh, social protocols within a, a specific culture. And um, so one of the, the films I'm working on right now is a film made by two Australian filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And the film is called Tana, which came out in 2015. And it was uh, shot entirely in Vanuatu. Wow. Mm. Right. And then about um, the conflict between two local tribes. And then it, they, they call that story the Vanuatu's Romeo and Juliet because mm -hmm. it's a story between two lovers, one from each tribe, and they are, you know, fueling tribes. Mm -hmm. And so in order to to be able to be together, they had, they commit suicide in the end. And so just looking at the, um, the very detailed uh, ways of um, their relationship, and then also the 
hierarchy that is presented through characters and then the way they speak, the way they talk to each other, they interact, that's a learning experience to me, even though it's, it's a Pacific culture and I think I, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a pretty good grasp of what mm-hmm. Pacific culture is, but then every island nation has its own yeah. nuances, which is always um, good to, to know and then not assuming not to assume that all Pacific cultures are similar in certain ways. They are, but not always. Yeah. There are always places and moments that surprise us that, you know, mm. oh, they don't do this in mm. this island, right? Right, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. I like that. That's really cool. Just, uh, yeah. so for someone that wants to maybe see more of these movies, mm-hmm. um, these Pacific films, mm-hmm. where would they go to? see them it's more difficult because if they are not distributed in the u.s then you have to you have no way of finding out so the new zealand um um, cultural ministry has a very active website and they they constantly put on films available on their website so that's one way to see them that uh, see films that are not distributed in the u.s And then they have uh, short films there, and then um, feature older feature films. They usually have um, sometimes full length films there, mm-hmm. but for newer films, they typically will have a um, a trailer. And right now, YouTube has all kinds of trailers that are available. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's mm-hmm. one of the quick ways to to find out what is available out there. Mm-hmm. And then if we more actively seek right. uh, ways to find them and to see them and and for our library, I always mm. have them um, ready to, oh, to order yeah. if they, they are available in the U.S. Very nice. Yeah, That's and they cool. can't really order things from outside the U.S. because of right. copyright issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Very cool. So I have a question <laughs> that might be just a little bit off topic uh, <laughs> from what we've been talking oh. about. But my, my curiosity is that is there such a thing as a modern-day classic? I mean... Um, you know, you hear of films like Casablanca and all these things that have been quoted for years and years right. and years. Yeah. It, are modern day classics being made today? Or do you think it's just, th- I mean, there's so many films and so many different things. Like, what do you think about that? Right. And I think what be- is kind of an oxymoron in mm-hmm. the sense that cl- classics are those that are, that are lasting mm-hmm. and right. then they are referred to all the time, right? And if you look at our filmmaking today, the kind of modern classic will be something that's pioneering, revolutionary Mm -hmm. perhaps, and Mm -hmm. then they will be talked about and they will be taught in classes. So of course those films are being made, like the Black Panther, for example, right? right? Yeah. So I think those will be typically named or called as instant classics because mm-hmm. they made so many they break so many current quote unquote rules mm-hmm. or they set a precedent for new ways of doing films for example right yeah, yeah so whether it's storytelling whether it's casting or mm-hmm. in terms of uh, techno- uh, technology use of technology in films and mm-hmm. Yes, obviously, definitely, it's happening. Awesome. Awesome. And especially with, like, with, so, like, the Oscars are coming up Mm -hmm. soon. Um, 
so we have i think the black panther is is mm -hmm. in the oscars as well right um so that's what you you would classify that like one of the modern day classics and are there any other recent films uh, maybe not like this year but any other mm -hmm. films you could say like oh maybe like that one i would consider like one of the modern day modern day classics well for anime um coco is one of the greatest ones right, because yeah. of the oh, yeah. cinematography and then also just the music mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and it's so beautiful. even an anime right kids film can be a classic yeah, too definitely. right yeah oh i loved that movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen it so many times yeah. oh, i watched it on the airplane too yes. several times, so. i was questioning why they didn't put more music into it i really thought it was going to be more musical like a like a disney princess movie but uh, I love those songs, whatever they put in there. But yeah, right. that's an yeah. instant classic for me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, what about here? So specifically here in Hawaii, I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but what are some of your favorite things about specifically studying art here in Hawaii and at this university? Well, I think it is the, um, well, if we, for an art, um, say for example a, a visual arts um, student think about some of the 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 great um, kinds of modern artists mm -hmm. like uh, Gauguin right and those people they are fascinated by the lighting in the Pacific right so as an artist I think the workings of light it um, um, are very distinct in the Pacific in general. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I think that just as a painter, you c we can almost follow the, the, I mean, the trail of Gauguin and those uh, who have been to the Pacific and who are fascinated by the landscape and then the people here and then the workings of light here. And then that, that's one way. And another will be, like you have touched on the diversity here nobody is a majority here yeah so mm -hmm. the very fact of that I think um, helps us uh, democratize and then also open our vision in terms of what uh, what is valuable and then what um, what can be um, the focus of studying or um, or creative um, endeavor because every subject matter here matters in this community. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's a very healthy way of uh, teaching um, ourselves as a, as a seer, as a reader, and a, as a creator, as an artist that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Speaking of uh, Pacific films, mm -hmm. I know that there was uh, kind of some drama surrounding Moana because it was so many different yes. cultures <laughs> <laughs> into one. Yes, I mean, um, I, and I did. Um, I actually, I just recently did a um, an essay on it. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, that's super interesting. So, right. So, what what would you like to talk about? Surrounding uh, <laughs> I mean, there was so <laughs> much drama. A lot of yes. people loved it because finally we're seeing these characters that we've never seen. But a lot of people thought it was a cultural appropriation. Right. Um, do you feel like it was, or they could have been more sensitive? about those topics I don't know just what's what's your opinion on it well there are two groups of critics mm -hmm. and an interesting thing is um, um, one of the groups that actually support mm -hmm. the 
at least applaud what they're trying to do are actually um, um, filmmakers themselves mm-hmm. in in from the Pacific. They are themselves creative artists, so mm-hmm. they understand the kind of challenges and the obstacles and then they're facing. Right. And so I'm not going to take side because <laughs> it's always, yeah. you know, you can argue from, from any of the uh, perspectives. Yeah. But I think it is the afterlife of the film that mm-hmm. is very fascinating because right after that, and imagine a pan-Pacific endeavor, right, trying to incorporate all the cultures, but then in the end it is Polynesia that's being... Mm-hmm. Um, brought to the foreground just in terms of the story the characters and even the songs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um someone um songwriters and mm-hmm. and all that and so but because of that then everybody in the pacific were thinking that's my film too that's my yeah. culture too mm-hmm. yeah and so since then we have a tahitian ver- language version oh. that was done mm-hmm. a maori version that was done and then currently the Hawaiian version is being really? dubbed, right? And then the main character who whose voice is Moana, she's doing the Hawaiian version too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh, of her, cool. her own background. So I think it's the debate and the conversation, the dialogue, the afterlife that after the film mm-hmm. that makes the film very interesting because yeah. all the topics are being debated, the, the issues are being brought up. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it brings up a lot of awareness and then a lot of um, conscious effort in, I think um, subsequently they would, uh, for f- filmmakers trying to deal with this kind of subject matters, they would take the lessons from Moana and yeah. then hopefully learn from it and then mm-hmm. from the ap- afterlife of Moana. Yeah. Too. I mean, that's the danger of being revolutionary is that you, there's no, you know. Right. There's right. no rules, and so when you break the rules right. that people think of mm-hmm. afterwards, it's like, well, next time, right? Mm-hmm. right. Which is yeah. really cool. I right. I liked the film. I was I was hoping that they would pick one culture to focus on. Yeah, because you can't please everybody, and yeah. when you pick one culture, I mean, other communities are gonna complain, right? And and, if, right. and f- they will feel left out that way. Yeah. So so when you do a story like that, and it's set in the past, that's unidentifiable right yeah then it 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 gives us at least that that Mm. protection of you know i'm not telling a story from a specific time and then location but then the location is the large ocean oceania that way oh i just thought it was beautiful (laughs) though like the cinematography was beautiful and yeah yeah Yeah. it's cool how it shows the important conversations even you know it was it was a you know it could be seen as like a, a child's movie, but it's cool mm-hmm. the conversations that it brought up, even though it was right. it was an animation. Yeah, but then there's always the danger, as you said, the cultural appropriation when you mm-hmm. actually use characters, mm-hmm. real characters from legends and then from ancient stories, yeah. and then change them, and that's almost a, a big no-no, mm-hmm. right? You know, when you take that kind of artistic license, that you have to think of the consequences, and you have to be willing to take the to deal with the consequences. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. So, as we as we kind of wrap up here, uh-huh. um, I was thinking it'd be cool if if you were to say, okay, everyone in the whole world, everybody <laughs> needs to watch these three 
films or movies what would you oh boy, what no, would those no, no, i know that's like the biggest question <laughs> oh yeah pick three. Oh, that's difficult <laughs> because i don't really have my favorites but then you know i i just um 400 blows is still one of my all-time yeah. favorite it's a really right? good one. yeah and then so that's an older one and then a newer one let's see um well black panther everybody's has mm -hmm. seen it uh -huh. right yeah yeah so i would say definitely watch that one or rewatch that one yeah yeah right and then what else is a great one and uh i remember one is a trilogy it, mm -hmm. it's um it's um the Apu trilogy and uh, I watched it when I was a freshman at the International Film Festival back okay. in Taiwan and I watched the three films in a row mm -hmm. and it was the most kind of impactful movie for me when I was a freshman when I watched it and is um, by a f um, Indian filmmaker a Bengali filmmaker called Satya Jiray and he used a very humanistic discipline in telling a child's uh, mm -hmm. coming of age story from childhood to to a young adult and then married life mm -hmm. wow. so yeah so if you have a chance to watch them watch cool. these films great awesome. <laughs> thank you so much yeah welcome. and um one more thing mm -hmm. for especially for our listeners here in hawaii mm -hmm. and the student body how yeah. can we be more involved um before the podcast, we were mentioned you mentioned a little bit about the yes, the monthly yeah, uh, because you know a lot activity. of professors and then teachers um, came um, went to Provo for uh, for their um, studies, and uh -huh. then at Provo we had a very vibrant international film festival, and some of my colleagues and I have been trying to recreate this, but it's it's a budget issue right. and then so we started off small with the film forum every month so that's a good place to start okay, and support yeah. the film forum whenever yeah. you can and we usually have a discussion afterwards and we try to have refreshments in the past few months we always have pizzas so mm -hmm. nice. yeah so for this um coming wednesday next wednesday next wednesday mm -hmm. yeah so for this semester we usually do it the last Wednesday of the month. Okay. So this coming month, because it's uh, Black History Month, uh -huh. so we're going to show Black Panther. So come and support it. I know lots of students have seen it, uh -huh. mm -hmm. but come and support it and then have a good discussion at the end. Yeah. And we'll have food. Wonderful. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It. Free food and Black right. Panther. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Can't yeah. get better than that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, being welcome. able to Thank talk you. to us and, and answering our questions. So, yeah. Yeah. welcome. Yeah. My yeah. pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This was the Zeno Podcast. You can stay updated by following our Facebook and Instagram pages at Zeno Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by BYU Hawaii's Reading and Writing Center. You can also find us on YouTube or iTunes or by searching Xeno Podcast. That's X-E-N-O Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at BYUH underscore RWC at BYUH.edu. Thanks for learning by listening.